Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. We're going to get into the Word uh, this morning. And we're starting a new series today uh, called Comebacks. Uh, I love a good comeback story. Uh, How many sports fans are in the house? Quite a few. Quite a few. If you love sports, then you love comebacks. Uh, You you hate to be on the other side of the comeback, but you love comebacks. In fact, I had a video I wanted to share with you today, but Pastor Matt wouldn't let me share it. Because Pastor Matt is a Celtics fan. And so I was going to share the video that shared uh, the Miami Heat winning their uh, second championship in a row. And I know there's haters out there. You don't like LeBron. Get over it. (laughs) But I do want to say this is that in the video I wanted to share, it showed. For those of you that remember, game six of the NBA championships in 2013. 28 seconds left in game six. The Miami Heat are down. So far down that the crew has come out of ushers and they've lined the outside. Oh, you're going to play it, bro? You got some love for a brother after all, man. You got some love. We got to start at the beginning, though. Oh, you know what, Pastor Matt? Wait, hold on one second. We're going to do a little something right now. That's not the one. Let me show you something real quick, okay? Hang with me, folks. Will you let let me do a little business real quick? Okay. Thank God for the computer age. Okay. Pastor Matt, I'm going to send you the link right now to the video. Shit, bro, if you would have helped a brother out earlier, we'd be all right. So... I'm forwarding this right now to, for those of you that want to take Pastor Matt's email down, it is uh, pmat at cwcsj.org. He's available to do videos and bar mitzvahs, birthday parties. (laughs) So, (laughs) as Pastor Matt... um, See if you can pull up that link. Let me get back to the, to the message here, okay? If I can find my message now. Amen. So with 28 seconds, as he's looking for that, 28 seconds left, we'll share the story in a moment. But I want to talk to you today about comebacks. I want to challenge you regarding a comeback. You see, you can't have a comeback unless you're behind. You can't have a victory unless you're in a fight. You can't have a win unless you're competing. And see, many of us want a miracle without an impossibility. You want to come back without having to be behind. But I need you to understand the very fact that you're behind, the very fact that you're in a battle, the very fact that you're in a struggle right now sets you up for a comeback. Your comeback is ready. Your comeback is there if you would just not give up. 
And right on the verge, when these individuals are about to lose the game, I love what the coach tells them. He tells them this, never, ever, ever give up. Don't ever give up. They are 28 seconds away from the San Antonio Spurs becoming the NBA champions. As long as there's time on the clock, a beat in your chest, you're still in the game. Twenty-eight seconds. How much time do you have to come back? How much time do you have? You got a week, you got a month, you got a year. How old are you? How much time do you have ahead of you? You are still in the game. If you have a heartbeat, if you have an opportunity, it's not over in your marriage. It's not over as a parent. It's not over in that addiction. It's not over in that situation. As long as you have a heartbeat, you got a chance. You got a chance. I want you to stand with me as we turn to Luke chapter 15. If you listen quickly, I will speak quickly. (laughs) Luke chapter 15, and I've spoken on this this passage on several occasions, but all the time I've either spoken on the other son, I've spoken on the father, but I've never focused in on the son that left. In fact, I've preached all around the prodigal son. I've never spoke about the prodigal son. I spoke about his dad. I spoke about his older brother. But we've never taken time to speak about the kid himself. It's one of the problems when you try to be a creative pastor. Sometimes you miss what's in front of you. Oh, don't give him an amen for that. Ushers, ushers. So in Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11, I love you, Reverend Cat. I know it's old age that's making you do that. Verse 11 says, then he said, who said? 
Jesus said, <laughs> like he, <laughs> who's he? Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. How many sons does he have? And the younger said to his father, how many of you are the youngest of your families? Raise your hands. It's all the spoiled ones. They're the ones that, you know what, they want the most, they expect the most. And I'm with you because I'm the youngest in my family too. All right? The youngest said to his father, Father, I want what's coming to me. Now. I want what... He says, Father, I want right now what is coming to me. If I were to tell my dad, now my dad is 81 years old. If I were to walk into his house in Sacramento and say, Dad, I want right now what's coming to me. That 81-year-old man would ball up his fist and he would give me what's coming to me. So the father, look at what kind of dad we're dealing with. I know I'm not preaching about the dad today. So the father divided his property among them. He didn't just give it to the youngest son. He gave it to the oldest as well. The father splits his possessions between both kids. The the oldest didn't even ask for it. But as a parent, you can't show favorites. Come on, for those of you parents that are here, you know. You love your kids and you show, you show favorite. You give 120 bucks. You did what? How come you gave? How, what, but how, they're always comparing. And so the father, this is a good dad. He breaks it right down the middle. He, I'm not even going to give you an opportunity to complain. So he gave it to the oldest son too. And so... It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags. Someone say packed his bags. And left for a distant country. Move on with me now to the next verse. Therefore, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything. You know, some of us don't know how to handle blessing. Now, for some of y'all, we could give you 100,000 today and you'll be back in the same condition in about a year from now. Because you don't know how to handle blessing. You, you, you operate from crisis to crisis. This young man gets a blessing and all of a sudden he wastes it. After he had gone through all his money, notice he goes through everything. God doesn't say that everything is money. I love that the word of God takes time to make a difference between money and everything. Because it's very easy to read the word of God and say, oh, what he lost was money. And for us to think that when you walk away from God or you walk away from the relationship with your father, that the only thing that's affected is your finances. No, we're talking about integrity. We're talking about dignity. We're talking about a name and an inheritance. When he had gone through everything, there was a bad famine throughout the land and the country. And he began to hurt. He signed on with the citizen. This is the only other character that we find in this story that was assigned to his fields to slop the pigs. Bow your heads with me. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to notice something about the younger son. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the younger son. 
Well, we're not talking about a kid that's never had anything. He's not looking for the inheritance because he wants to change his social structure. What he's looking for is he wants the money because what he wants is control. He's at a point right now where he wants to do things his own way. Let me talk to you kids for a moment. Whenever you don't want to listen to mom and dad, whenever you want to do your own thing, whenever you no longer want to do what the rules of the house say, it's time for you to move. Only got a couple pe- only a couple parents right now. But the son decides, Dad, I want what's mine. And what, what's amazing is this. That kid's not the one that built the inheritance. You know, when I walk with my kids through the store when they were younger, they would start asking for everything within their eyesight. Dad, I want this. Dad, I want that. Dad, can I get this? Can I get that? Dad, Dad, can I get this? Dad, get me this game. And they don't realize something. You see, when, when, you, when, when you don't have money, money's very easy to you. You don't know the value of money if you don't work for it. And so when, when you recognize that in my day, minimum wage was three fifty. I didn't say 50, I said 50. It was 350. So when you're talking about how many hours, when they want a video game that costs 60 bucks, that's 20 hours worth of work. You see, when you tell them if you want the game, then you have to put in the time. Now all of a sudden they don't want the game no more. The son wants something that he didn't put a whole lot of time in building. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Everything he ever wanted was given to him. He had servants, and then the servants had servants. He had everything that he ever wanted taken. And now he comes to his dad and says, I want what's mine. Son, you don't own anything. The problem that happens in many households, the problem that we face in the church of God today is the very things that God has given us access to, we think is ours. Totally missed that. God didn't give Adam ownership of the garden. He gave him access. And so he goes and he finds himself in trouble. He goes and he wastes his money on prostitutes. He's there at the bar. Everyone, shots on me. (laughs) Now, you remember them, folk. (laughs) Then when he got high, he got high with everyone. When he was looking for a little loving, he bought some love. But when the money disappeared, so did the love. When he was buying shots for everyone, when it was his turn... No one had anything for him. You ever notice that? Is that you've been helping everyone else out, but when your turn come, all of a sudden they broke? Hey, can can you see your way clear to help a brother out? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I ain't got nothing. He has gone through all the money, gone through his dignity, and now he finds himself living in a foreign land where there is now a famine. 
famine couldn't come at a worse time. to, To have a famine on top of the fact that you're broke and you're in a distant land, you're in trouble. But I need you to understand something. Many of us, when we go through struggles in our life, we blame God. But I want you to recognize something. God is not to blame for many of the struggles that we face. They're simply the consequences that we're dealing with for leaving the Father's house. And so we sit here and him and Han talk about, God, why did you do this? God, why did you do that? God didn't do a thing. You left the covering of the Father's house. If I have an umbrella and I'm standing under the umbrella while it's raining, I'm protected as long as I stay under the covering. But when I step out of under the covering, I can't get mad at the umbrella for not keeping me dry. If you stay under the umbrella, your position, your position determines your protection. And so he lost more than money. He lost dignity. And so I want you to take a look with me real quick at his condition. Let's take a look at this young man. This dude had all the money. He was driving, probably driving around, couldn't take his car with him, driving the Ferrari, walked around, rented a nice car for a while, walking around with the Armani suits, his silk tie. This guy was walking with alligator shoes. He was looking good, playing the part, had his little, his little cocaine thing here. He had a little drug thing here. He'd, get, he'd hit the weed with his friends and everything. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says that he's wasted it all on prodigal living. A riotous living. In fact, check this out. How bad is the living that he lived? It's the only place in the whole Bible that that word is used. How, 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 how deep was he in this thing that it's the only place that this word is used? You can't find it anywhere else. There's no other explanation for it. But he lived in a riotous living, in a prodigal condition. And I want you to notice something, that he was born in luxury, but now he's living in poverty. Have you ever found yourself living in a condition that you're not used to? Say it again, Pastor. Have you ever found yourself living in a condition that you weren't born for? You're not used to that. You find yourself and you're wondering. It's like looking at yourself thinking, what are you doing? That this isn't you. And he finds himself in this situation. And he's in a place that his father never intended him to be. Many of us are living a life right now that your father never intended you to be. His clothes that were once so fine are now been replaced by... Rags that have fallen apart. He sold his clothing to try to buy a, 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 a meal of food to eat or something. And he, he finds his clothes are ratted down. He, they're, they're ripped. They're torn apart. The, the very feet that used to be manicured or had the pedicure in his fingers that were neatly manicured now have mud stuck in them. His feet are wrapped with pig and, and swine uh, uh, feces and, and, and urine all over him. And he's walking in these things because he's feeding now pigs For someone from a foreign land. He's in a place where he never thought he would be. This wasn't his father's will for his life. Look with me here in verse 50, chapter 15, verse 17. He was so hungry that he would have eaten the corn cob in the pig slop. 
Not the corn. Not the corn husk. The cob. That was in the slop. You know you're going deep is when things that you never had an appetite for, you start desiring now. Say it again, Pastor. You see, you, you, you need to capture this. Some of you are beginning to like things and desire things that you never in your right mind would have desired before. And now he's actually longing for this. In Bible college, we had a term called nowadays. Got to watch out for the nowadays syndrome. See, we had these guys that would come to school and we first got to school. My goal when I went to Bible college was to get out of Bible college single. Because they changed the name of our school from Southern Arizona Bible College to Southern Arizona Bridal College. Because that's where women went to get married. I thought I made it out alive. When I walked across the stage and got my diploma, I was a single man. Little did I know that I ended up meeting my wife there and that we would get married about three or four years later. Yeah, go ahead and clap. That's all right. But not to be rude, but there were some individuals, some ladies there that when you got to school after getting, you know, being in your hometown, you'd get there and you're like, Mm-mm. nah. We were sitting in a room one time with the guys and one of the guys says, you know, when I got here, she was ugly. Then he said these famous words, but nowadays she'd be looking good. (laughs) Ladies, don't get mad at me. I'm not the one that said it. All the ladies looking at me like. And so we developed a syndrome that we developed, the Bible college syndrome, that after a few years, every guy would end up getting the nowadays syndrome. All of a sudden, things that you never would have desired before after being there alone in the desert for a few months, all of a sudden started looking good. you got to be careful when things that you never, some of you never thought that you would ever be strung out. You never thought you would be part of a marriage that was falling apart. You never thought that you would be so far in debt that you didn't know which way was up or down. You never thought that you would speak to your spouse in those terms. You always thought that you would build and love and encourage your children. You never thought you would be where you were at right now. Never. But he was so hungry. So hungry. Verse 17 says that brought him to his, come on somebody, that brought him to his, you know, everyone needs one of those moments. Just one of those, you know, notice this, the father doesn't run after him. Father doesn't go looking for him, doesn't jump on a boat, doesn't go track him down. He's not doing taken. I have a certain set of skills. He's not doing that. He leaves him alone. He lets him go out and he waits for his son. Because parents, there are some lessons that your kids must learn on their own. 
That's hard. Oh, as a parent, that's hard. Parents know what I'm talking about in here. It's hard to watch your kids make choices and you want to stop them. And here the father is. It looks like he's empowering this situation. But dad knows I raised that boy right. I poured some values into him and eventually he'll get to a point that he'll come to his senses. We need a coming to our senses moment. We need a moment. And so this was his consideration. He has that aha moment. He has that moment where he's sitting there. That for you it might have been when you had the baby. It might have been when you got thrown out. It might have been when you got divorce papers. It might have been when you filed bankruptcy. But there is an aha moment that we all come to. It's that moment that you realize I'm better than what I'm doing. I'm better than this. My daddy raised me better than this. I was created for something better than what I'm experiencing right now. He's standing there surrounded by swine and he wants to eat the very thing that they are eating. In fact, folks, understand how far has he fallen? Is that the foreigner has placed pigs over him. He wants a corn on the cob that has no corn on it. He wants the cob. And the foreigner says, no, my pigs need that food. How far have we fallen? How far have we fallen in life that all of a sudden we're not even considered above animals? Some of you have been so mistreated, you don't think you have any value left. You've been in an environment so long, you don't think that you have any value left. You've been in a circumstance in the mud and hanging out with pigs so long, you're beginning to think you are one. But he comes to a consideration. Something clicks inside him, and I need to encourage someone right now. His position, his location, excuse me, didn't change his position. Listen to me, someone, I'm talking to prodigals right now. Talking to some prodigals. You used to serve God. God used to be in the Father's house. I'm talking to you right now. I'm pleading with you right now that when he left and went to a foreign land, he was still his father's son. When he got there hanging out with the prostitutes, he was still his father's son. When he found himself drinking and riotous living, he was still his father's son. When he found himself connecting with the foreigner, he was still his father's son. Hanging with the pigs, nothing to eat, wasting away to nothing. He has gotten skinny, lost weight. He was still his father's son. Where you're at doesn't change the fact that you are your father's son. You're your father's son. Pastor, look where I'm at right now. I don't give a rip. You're still your father's son. Let me mess with you, though. There's going to be some sons of God in hell, though. People that have walked away from their heritage. 
people that have walked away from their relationship. The difference was this young man sitting there has the aha moment that says, as a man thinks in his heart, not in his head, in his heart. In his heart, so is he. And he began to look around at the pigs and say, this isn't what I was created for. Come on, somebody, you got to look around at the things that you're allowing into your life, the things that you're surrounding yourself with, and start recognizing, you know what, this isn't what I was created for. you got to take a look at your surroundings and realize, this is not what I was created for. I was created for something better than this. That addiction, that pornography, that anger, that bitterness, you were created for something better. You're better than that. And he has, this is where the prodigal son has his comeback moment. You see, many of us think, and we know, I'm better than this. I've had people blasted out of their minds sit in front of me and tell me, yeah, pastor, I know I'm better than this. I know I'm better than this. I know I'm better than this. But they never change. Look at his conclusion as we close. Luke 15, 20. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me as a hired hand. Then what's he do? Come on, what's he do? He what? He got what? He didn't just get up. He got what? Right up. Right up. See, you can get up the wrong way. He got the right way up. He got right up. He jumped. See, some of you are, wait, well, when I get this handled in my life, then I'll get up. When I get this handled in my life, then I'll move forward. When this works out in my life, then I'll get things right with God. When I get a job, then I'll start tithing. When I get my, my, my mind right, then I'll treat my wife right. No, you got to get right up. You don't wait for things to get better. You get up right now. You don't wait for the environment to change. You change the environment. So he humbled himself. What am I telling you? You can't. It takes more. And listen to me right now. Listen very closely. Sitting in the middle of a pig's pen. He's sitting there in the midst of the situation. And for many of us, we've been there. You've been in a situation. You've left home. You, were, you walked out with bravado. I'm never coming back again. I'm, I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm going on. I'm moving on. It took, more, it took more guts for him to get up from where he was at and go home. Listen. It took more guts to get up and go home than it did to stay there. A weak person doesn't change the surroundings. They stay there and say, this is just the way it is. They allow the embarrassment. You know what? Your your false humility 
Oh, I don't want to go back there. My dad's going to be upset. You know, I, I can't go there. You know what it is? It's just pride. It's a, I can't go back to church because, you know what, I left there and I left there and said I'd never be back to that church again. That's all right. Find another one. There's other churches out there. But get up and get to the father's house. Get up and go back to your father's house. It takes more guts to get up and to walk home and say, Dad, I was wrong. Than to stay out there with the pigs. See, I want you to notice what happens here. He says, I'm going to go home. I'm going to walk in front of this again, Bill. He's on his way home. And he tells his dad, Dad, don't even bring me in as a son. Bring me in as a hired servant. Because even the servants are treated better in your house. You know, I just want to serve. Just let me come back in. You know, Pastor, let me just come to the church and serve. I'll sweep. I'll do the bathrooms. I don't even need to minister. I just want to serve. Just, just let me come in. But God, notice this. The father wasn't looking for another servant. He wanted his son back. Yeah. So I need you to understand, you got to leave where you're at in order to get to where you're going. You have to get up. Folks, you got to get up. As, as, uh, as we close, verse 21, he says this. And while he was still what? <laughs> Come on. While he was still what? I don't know about you. This story chokes a brother up. I, I want, while he was still long way off, his father what? <laughs> I love this. Did his dad know that today he was coming home? Then how did his dad know that he would be coming? Every day that brother must have come out looking, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day my son's coming home. Maybe today, okay, not today. He go. Maybe today's the day, next day. You see, I need you to understand, you might not have come back yesterday. You might not have come back last week. Maybe last month you didn't show up. Maybe the month before that you didn't show up. Maybe a year ago you didn't show up. But I need you to know that today is the day that you come home. Whenever you come. I want you to know, prodigal, that your father is looking for you. Your father's waiting for you. Your father's hoping for you. And when his son comes, I love, he has his speech all ready to go. Dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. All I want to do is become a slave in your house. Let me. His father isn't even paying attention to him. I love this. This is so, so powerful. Look at, look at what he says in verse 22. But the father wasn't listening. Aren't you glad that the, there's some prayers that God just ignores? Aren't you glad that there's just some prayers that you pray that God just ignores? God, if you just get me out of this, Lord, you don't have to give me another thing in my life. Just get me out of this, and I'll promise to serve you forever. You don't have to do another thing. God says, I ain't even paying attention to that. I'll get you out of it, but I, I, I'm, you don't even have to worry because I want you back as my son. Amen. 
father wasn't even listening. He called to his servants. And he says this. Boy, before you walk into this house, you better promise you're not going to do this this mess again. Well, I just spent all my hard-earned money, gave it to you. You done blown it. Now you want to come back? What you thinking? <laughs> What's the father do? He covers them. New robe. New shoes. New authority. New ring. When I call you back to your father's house, I'm not calling you back with conditions. I'm calling you back with love. Your father just says, come home. Your father's just asking you to come home. This is your comeback. In fact, I want to share with you a great comeback. One of the sons of this house, the comeback that took place in his life. You turn attention to the screens at this time. So I was born into a family who suffered from addiction and it went far as back as uh, three generations. And at one point in my life, I found myself struggling with addiction as well. parents, they split up when I was about five or six years old. So it was at a, my kindergarten graduation where um, I don't remember at the time, but looking at the picture, my mom told me, she's whispering in our ears, mine and my brother, and she said she was telling us that our dad left and that he wasn't coming back. In the house, there was always uh, drinking, drug using, for the most part that I can remember. There was a lot of chaos. So growing up, that's all I knew in life. You know, that's all I was around. That's all I seen. So my uncles, my mom's brothers, they played a, a big role in my life. They had a lot of influence. They were in and out of prison. They were in gangs. They too struggled with addiction. And it was in junior high school where I started getting more involved with gangs and uh, uh, drinking and using from smoking weed to doing acid, from doing acid to uh, smoking PCP. From that to crank, from crank to coke, from coke to uh, methamphetamines. So the only time that I really felt the connection between me and my dad was through uh, drinking or getting high together. That was one thing that we had in common, you know, that I was able to do with him. I think I got a lot of, uh, you know, I love you more when, you know, we were high, but, you know, and I accepted that. You know, I wanted to be part of his life. I ended up having a drug overdose at 17 years old, and um, after that, I almost lost my life. And at the same time, I find, my, I find out that I'm having a son. I start thinking about it, you know, I want to do something different for him. I start uh, realizing, like, I don't want him to live the same lifestyle I lived. So I decided not to even give him my name. Quit kicking it with my friends, and I start going to church. I give my life to God. I expected things to work out a certain way, you know, I was going to get married, and you know, I didn't end up getting married. You know, things went bad pretty quick. 
And then I find myself again in the same lifestyle. I get heavily involved in uh, drugs. You know, with the gang that I'm in, I find myself in and out of jail. I had my son living with me and I tried to be there for him, but I couldn't be there like I wanted to. So he ended up living back with his mom. You know, I'm, I'm an adult now and I find myself in and out of jail. Now I'm even having more kids. You know, I have a, a daughter who's handicapped. I have a, a son who suffers from having seizures. I have triplets that are newborn. And I remember kind of crying out to God saying, you know, God, there's got to be a better way than this. You know, it was almost instant where I find myself in jail and I picked up four felonies in one case and all kinds of misdemeanors. And I'm in there and I'm, you know, feeling hopeless. And my, my uh, kids' mom, she's struggling with the kids. And the judge is telling me he's, they're going to give me four and a half years. You know, I heard God telling me, you know, it's going to work out. It's going to be all right. So I submitted. I stopped fighting and I submitted my life to God. Instead of getting four and a half years, I got a year county jail time. And on top of that, I was out in six months. You know, I was really determined, really excited to prove, you know, to my wife that I could be the husband that, you know, I should have been. You know, I started coming to church and, you know, she didn't want nothing to do with it. So we end up splitting up. So I find myself, you know, single. And uh, the kids, they weren't living with me. They were living with her at the time. So even though I felt hopeless, I was determined not to give up. I knew that God can still work in my life. You know, although things didn't work out the way I expected them to, I continued to show up. And to this day, I continue to show up. So although it hasn't been easy, I've been uh, clean and sober for eight years. I have custody of uh, my three boys, full custody. And I'm just determined to be the father figure in their life that I, you know, I've always wanted or that I missed out on. Thank God that I broke the cycle, you know, of addiction that's been in my family for years. And, you know, because of that, they're never going to know the lifestyle that I once struggled with. You know, now we have our house. You know, I found a, not just a job, but I found a career. You know, I'm able to give back. I'm working at a local high school with an organization called Firehouse. And I'm able to give back to young men that are in the same situation that I was in when I was younger. I'm able to uh, add value to them and, you know, give them hope and inspire them. You know, I've always heard that God was a God of second chances, and I'm living proof of that. My name is Cisco, and this is my comeback. Come on, welcome with me, Cisco. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I, I want to encourage any of you here this morning that are struggling with a certain thing and think, I can never get uh, where I'm at, I'm never going to get to that point. I'm never going to be able to overcome. I'm never going to be able to come back. I'm too far behind. I want you to look at this young man right here and see that there's always a chance. Yeah. What was the thing that made you decide, that's it, I'm going all in? Well, this last time, just... Uh... Wait, wait, wait a minute. You had other... Moment when, I was younger, when I was 17, I, I, that, that overdose, I kind of gave my life to God, but okay, and then, I didn't have a strong foundation. And 
then you ended up backsliding up back, or yeah. getting back into the same thing, and then yeah. you had another. So yeah. it's possible then to have a couple aha moments. Exactly. Yeah, it is. So for those of you that have had more than, well, Pastor, I already had my aha moment. I blew it. Hopefully you don't have to fall under the pigs in order to be able to have another one. Amen. Amen. So what was it that, that, that caused you to actually go all in? I was just tired of the lifestyle that I was living. And uh, like I said earlier, one day I, I pulled up to the house and I was in this beat up, broken down car. One headlight was going up, the other one was going down. <laughs> I was up for, for like three days. I was coming home and uh, I was sitting in front of the house and I could hear my kids. They were playing in the house and, you know, I was just sitting there and, and uh, I guess I cried out to God because I was like, God, there's got to be a better way than this. And it seems like almost instantly I was in jail. You know, I didn't want it that way, but, <laughs> you know, when I realized God was working, then, you know, that, that's when it changed. You know, I, I think, what would you tell people here that are, maybe someone's in your situation before you had your aha moment, before you had that breakthrough, what would you tell them? Just never give up, never give up. Even, uh, you know, as long as you have breath, there's a, you're living for a purpose. You know, every day I wake up and I say, thank you, God, for this day. And even though I got a lot of victories, you know, and I'm at where I'm at in life, I'm not content. I want more. So just Amen. never give up. Amen. Give up. Amen. I want to encourage you right now, for those of you that are here that are struggling, trying to figure out where do I go, what's next in life. Uh, man, dude, you got like, what, 12 kids? <laughs> Bro, who, ha- who has triplets, man? There were kids all over. It looked like a kid bomb went off in that picture. There were kids everywhere in that picture, man. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been real easy for you to walk away and just go on and get yourself right and not even worry about the kids. What made you come back? You know, just the way I grew up. Not having my dad there, I know my, my kids deserve better. You know, I love my kids. Proud of you, man. Thank you. Really proud of you. Ooh, brother, a little emotional, man. Got to love the C-Dub family. Yeah. Yeah. This young man, what just impresses me so much about him, I had a, a class I started at my house years ago called The Crucible, and I chose 12 men uh, to pour into, 12 men to kind of hang out and uh, just kind of help along the way. And Cisco was one of those individuals. And then to watch him, the life that Reverend Katz poured into him, the mothering that she's given to him, then to see him step up now and say, Pastor Dan, I want to start a crucible as well. I want to do it with another group of men. And so he chose 12. And he started pouring into those men. And they just had their graduation recently where they finished their course, and they want to continue on. And so I want to encourage you, any men here that want to 
uh, go to another level, Cisco's going to be starting another, uh, I want to call it a Bible study because it's not a Bible study. It's uh, a, another, a, another discipleship group, and it's going to be off of the book Kingdom Man from Dr. Tony Evans. If you're a man in here right now and you need a comeback, or you just want, you know, you, maybe you haven't even fallen back. You just want your back. You just want a, you just want a new start. If that's you, I, I challenge you to seek Cisco out when service is over. Connect with him. Let this comeback anointing be poured out into your life as well. <laughs> Bow your heads with me right now. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.